Welcome to Life Skills 101, Skills for a Digital Age, sponsored by the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network and True North Homeschool Academy. True North offers live online classes, clubs, ebooks, and more. From special needs to parent classes, True North builds a community through digital format in an age of loneliness and desolation. Our host, Lisa Nearing, is a homeschooler with five kids who was homeschooled with her husband, Dr. David Nearing, for 27 years. They are committed to equipping fellow homeschoolers and Christians with the tools they need to navigate a complex world in need of a savior. Now, without further ado, Lisa Nearing. Hey everybody, this is Lisa Nearing with True North Homeschool Academy, and I am here again with podcast episode number 59 on Life Skills 101, Life Skills for a Digital Age. Dr. David Nearing and I are doing a series called Life Skills Authentic Values, and this episode is number two in the series, and it is titled How This Came About. I'm joined today by my husband, Dr. David Nearing. Hey, David. Hey, Lisa. Nice to be here again with you. Great to have you here. Okay. In the last episode, we talked about confusion and illusion in society and its antidote, natural law and authentic values. And we're going to jump back into this series on Life Skills Authentic Values by talking today about how this all came about. I think it's important to kind of know how we got here from got here from there. Where's where's here? Here is 2020. <laughs> there is where the stable American society was in the past. And I think a lot of us can agree right now people feel a lot of instability. Well, I think it's pretty obvious there is instability. Yeah. I mean, it's that's that's obvious and Anybody who says differently is selling you something. Right. So we're in this time of just... That was a quote, incidentally, from The <laughs> Princess Bride, right? Duly noted. Awesome job. Awesome job. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate <laughs> okay, it. Okay. So we're talking about where we used to be and that we're here. And just like the 1920s, the 2020s seem like they're going to be a time of real society, a societal upheaval and change, dramatic change. We've already experienced that in the last 11 months. Yeah, I think that's, as we said last time, we're going to continue the sin of saying unprecedented times. (laughs) Unprecedented, yes. Unprecedented times, right, yeah. But I I think it's really important to to take a little bit of a look back. Uh, I like those signs that we used to have in malls that gave a picture of the mall with a sign that says, you are here. Mm -hmm. And so you can kind of get the context that you're in. Well, we're going to kind of talk a little bit about the context in recent history. Uh, The polarization and corrosion in American society has been clear for some time now. This became obvious in the 1990s when the terms multiculturalism and political correctness first became words. Um, I remember the first time I heard this in graduate school talking to somebody in response to an argument I was making. They used the term politically correct, and I was just stopped because I remember thinking, well, that's irrelevant. The relevance is the substance of the conversation, not your label. This uh, really, it's not so much a a term, but an approach to relationship and conversation. Uh, These were first over the first overt attempts to remake American culture by invalidating traditional uh, American behaviors and norms. It it was an attempt with political correctness to commandeer conversations by simply ruling out that some conversations can't be had, some ruling out discussions by fiat without any sort of explanation or justification other than that's not politically correct. It really is, at the risk of being too blunt, really honestly, a kind of interpersonal tyranny, really. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, on top of that, those sort of ideological things that started happening in the 90s, 
digital communication and digital social networking just seems to be making these kinds of problems much worse because it allows for hit and run bullying and distorting arguments of others and and really mass slander mass mass uh, a character assassination by just calling names at people and then and just running with that and so the social networking really makes that same ideological maneuver much more difficult. Mm -hmm. I saw that a couple months ago where somebody said something that wasn't very politically correct and they just got dogpiled. It was really a sight to behold the amount of actual cyberbullying that was taking place. So tell us there there's an actual psychological term having to do with like how people react in groups especially if they're not really seen if it's if they're anonymous they act out in ways that they might not if it was more personal, right? Yeah, that's called risky shift. Risky shift. The risky shift occurs when you have people in groups acting in ways they wouldn't normal. Um, and that's, uh, that's always been understood as the mentality of the mob. Right. And the, the mob mentality is an expression of risky shift. And social networking really allows risky shift to, and, and really a mob mentality to be... Um, exponentially amplified by the nature of, of digital communication. So I want to pause for a minute as we think about that. How did how did this happen? Risky shift in mob mentality, especially as we're raising our kids. Because our kids, we are working to raise our kids with integrity going true north. And if they are unsupervised in social media kind of situations, they might partake or participate in situations and behave in ways that they wouldn't otherwise possibly. So something that as parents, we need to be aware of. Well, it's easy for people, particularly adolescents, to lose themselves mm -hmm. because they don't have a very clear sense of selves to begin with. And that's, that's not a criticism. That's, that's a description of adolescence. That's what it means to be a young person right. is that you haven't really developed that sense of yourself in any sort of, hold on. <clears throat> okay, go ahead. Uh, in any sort of, of deep ways. Mm -hmm. And it's children up to that point, because they were children just before adolescence, for <laughs> those who are unclear on this, yes. <laughs> um, develop, develop their sense of identity primarily by their parents, but they're beginning to develop their identity based on their peers at that point in a wider society. Well, if wider society is functioning like a mob, they're going to respond accordingly. They're going to lose their sense of selves. That's the very reason why we're having this conversation about genuine authentic values, genuine authentic understandings, because when you ground yourself in those, you ground your your personhood truly and thoroughly and deeply. Mm -hmm. But if you don't return those, if you allow the the social events going on around you, the, the behaviors around you to affect your thinking, then pretty soon you can be part of this mob mentality mm -hmm. and part of the name calling and bullying that goes with that. Mm -hmm. So you have to have that sense of grounding on authentic values to know who you are and what you're all about so you can forge ahead with logical, reasonable conversations. And even if you can't necessarily chop logic with somebody else in the same way, you're being grounded knowing who you are with authentic values and understandings will give you a kind of strength that you just can't have in any other way. So it's really being planted with both feet firmly on the ground. It's being planted with both feet firmly on a really big rock outcropping. Mm -hmm. Not sandy soil. Not sandy soil, not a boulder, not just any other rock. No, on a massive rock. Mm -hmm. You know, think Yosemite, El Capitan. Got it. <laughs> so authentic values are so important. 
Um, that's why we're talking about them. And we're just talking about how do we get here? I actually went and looked up postmodernism at one point because it just seemed like such an elusive term, but it's so important to really understand it because postmodernism really means to redefine and reframe what used to be held in common, common understanding. And like we talked about in the last episode of this show, common values, what we hold in common is not so common anymore. And that is that is part of what's happened with postmodernism. Well, that's the point of postmodernism. The whole point of postmodernism is to obscure and complicate and confuse basic authentic understandings. Mm -hmm. That's that's the point. And they do that with changing uh, the meaning of words, Mm -hmm. shifting the usage of of comments like justice or racism or any sort of or even equality. Any of these sorts of words take on new meaning. And so you're trying to have a conversation, you know, find yourself confused because in a postmodern way, the individual has just by fiat changed the definition and expect you to know and act as if somehow you're somehow less than because you're not up on their hip new definition that their group is taking on. And what we're saying here is learning how to ground definitions and what's real and true. And I hate to bring up this subject because it's going to be touchy. We personally know several young men who've killed themselves in the last year. Right. I, I hate to bring it up because I might start crying. Um, it's it's a tragedy and it's a real thing. And the lack of authentic values and the confusion, our kids are feeling confused. And they don't know who to turn to. They don't know what's solid. And there's a lot of voices telling them a lot of things. Right. It's it's people have enough trouble with all the voices in their heads trying to figure out who they are. But when you add to this you know, a lot of of words and messages and meanings that are intentionally designed to invalidate and degrade others, mm-hmm. um, they, they do it on purpose and they do it in, in order to undercut norms and values that create courage and integrity and strength, then you begin to have a body count. And that is happening with a lot of our the young people, you know, particularly young men, um, particularly young men of dominant uh, ethnic group, because the fact of the matter is, is that um, the in postmodernism, the very point is to undercut those understandings that give you a clear sense of self. That's why they do it. So you kept mentioning they. Who is they? They would be those people that we'll talk more about later who are involved in synthetic value systems, things like postmodernism, political correctness, you know, the various kinds of isms out there and really large marketing firms. Mm -hmm. You know, the whole point of a lot of this marketing out there is to draw people away from their own grounding to create good consumers, Mm -hmm. people that identify with the group that they're defining. Mm -hmm. And so that pulls people away from values and identities that are connected to something deep and long lasting like being part of a proud, dignified ethnic group with a really rich history based in liberty and justice. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it's not that any one ethnic group is based on that. It's that most ethnic groups are. Right. Okay. Right. And that most ethnic groups value those things. But the issue is what are the value systems that transcend ethnicity that go to the essence of being human? What does it mean to be human? That's what authentic values and understandings are. They go beyond any particular ethnic group, Mm -hmm. but they are expressed a little differently in various ethnic groups. And it's beyond the pale to say any one of those ethnic groups is less than or better than another. But it's even worse to say that the authentic values are somehow invalid because that really ends up in very bad outcomes. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Okay. We're returning to recent history, the depth of the problem. Um, when did the depth of this problem really become clear? Because I really became aware of the, of the terms postmodernism like 15, 20 years ago. Right. Well, the terms were, you know, started in the 1970s where a lot of this, this, um, this thinking really was, was developed, but it wasn't obvious where the problem was until the elections of 2000 and 2004 when the polarization became so obvious. But it wasn't really understood how serious things were becoming until about 2014 when we started hearing rumblings of civil conflict um, heard very, very quietly, which I had never heard that in my lifetime. So what what are you referring to exactly there? Well, I'm referring to people actually talking about open civil conflict. Mm-hmm. You know, people, you know, in in uh, military roles and other kind of roles that I would never have believed were talking the way they're talking. But that was a, a definite result of the kind of postmodern messaging that was prominent in the elections of 2012 and 2014. Can you give us an example of what kind of messaging you're referring to? Well, any kind of messaging that basically says that a particular gender say, well, number one, that genders are not valid. Gender integrity is huge to a person's sense of self. Mm-hmm. And, and saying that so that's somehow not valid is a direct way of under, invalidating personhood. Mm-hmm. Secondly, the during that same time period, you also had people saying that certain kind of, of racial approaches were somehow not okay. Mm-hmm. And that's based on the idea that the country itself was based on an Anglo-European cultural understanding that every ethnic group was was understood to come into and participate and give to and receive from. And so that the country so would mutuality. become... Oh, mutuality, because it was what was the old melting pot. It was a melting pot of something of Americanness that was to come from those original understandings that were based on something transcendent and authentic and real. Okay. And and it wasn't just... Let's just pause for a minute, because when you're talking about ethnic groups that come in, and when I think of melting pot, I think of Cajun food. Right. Uh, because I mean, there's a certain dish I just absolutely love this Cajun and it is, it is seafood and it's spicy and it's African and it's white Southern and it's a whole bunch of all sorts of stuff. Right. And it's this beautiful mix at the end, um, which is pretty culinary. <laughs> but right. so in marketing, they talk about being part of a tribe. Right. But what they're talking about there is a synthetic tribe. Right. Right. And we're going to get to what is authentic versus what is synthetic. Mm-hmm. Tribes are part of ethnic groups and cultures. Cultures, in turn, interpret deep, authentic values into a common frame of reference, the tribe, the yeah. organization, the ethnicity, not the organization, but the ethnicity, that now interprets it for a group of people, mm-hmm. okay? The genius of America is that it actually drew from a particular tribe, mm-hmm. Anglos and Anglo-Germanics, okay, it was able to get to what was deep and authentic and real. The the principles of natural law that applied to everybody. Now, it then interpreted that through the culture of the time, which that's just human being. All humans do that. Because we all are in a time and a place. We are in a time and a place, <laughs> and we are this and not that. Right. And then as time went on, the whole point was actually to turn each of the, the America, to, to grow in America with all these different ethnic groups, 
become part of this melting pot based on these authentic values, these understandings that go into being human and create an Americanness that came specifically out of that authentic understanding. That's that whole concept that we'll get to. We hold these truths to be self-evident. Mm -hmm. And we'll drill down into that in a couple of, of uh, episodes. But for right now, we need to understand the dynamics that led to this situation. You know, understand that the 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 transition was started happening in the 1970s and 80s, where the overall culture that was Americanism and and what was talked about and understood as Americanism began to be supplanted by more synthetic ways of understanding people. You know, the a very clear and observant book that I had read at that at the time was the book uh, Habits of the Heart. Uh, published in 1985, which was based on research conducted over several years before that. Now, if you read the reviews of, of the book, it's interesting because, you know, given insight and experience, readers find the book either insightful and helpful or other readers who have never experienced what the work the book is talking about, not being able to relate in any way to what the country at one time actually was, and therefore they don't really understand the book, Okay. But for those of us who saw that transition, I actually watched it happen when I was in college. You know, there was a very clear shift in how the society was functioning. And the book Habits of the Heart actually documents that. And you can see exactly what they're talking about. And you can see now how most of us have gone down the road from what that book was talking about in the 1980s. So Habits of the Heart is really a social commentary about what was going on in the United States? It's a social study and a social commentary. Mm -hmm. and, and it understands basically the shift that happened in America. And, and it really was showing, okay, this is where we're heading. And now we're seeing the consequences of that. And now we're at least a generation beyond that. At least a generation. And what does it look like in 2020? Well, now in 2020, it's clear that the polarization problem first documented in Habits of the Heart now poses a serious risk to the integrity of, of American society as a whole. I mean, most people aren't getting the idea that America is not just a given. I mean, countries do rise and countries do fall. And now what was at one time unthinkable is actually on the minds of an awful lot of people. Well... I mean, to me, it seems like some people are really actively working for the downfall of America. That not only is it, they, they might take it as a given, but they're working to actively say, hey, America's not that important. Let's get rid of it because business as usual really is not where we want to be. Right, because they're trying to replace it with some synthetic things. Mm -hmm. Synthetic ideologies and synthetic kinds of countries you know, a lot of things that corporations basically are trying to sell people, quite honestly, but also ideologies like communism and, and radical state socialism. Those are kinds of ideologies that want to replace the very nature of America with something synthetic rather than on the authentic values and understandings that are intrinsic part of what America is and was. You like know, you said, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. And endowed by their uh, creator with certain inalienable rights among these are life, liberty, and the key phrase here is the pursuit of happiness, which is not just a sentiment, it's not just an emotion, but we'll unpack that later on, what that's all about. But if we're going to pass on any part of this legacy to our children, then we who value what the old republic stands for must be very clear on what it gives its, its unique character. Because what the authentic United States Republic does is recognize the essence of what it means to be human 
and gives the basic principles required for humans to govern themselves with justice and dignity and then move on to human fulfillment and flourishing and meeting our full potential in that society based on those fundamental principles and understanding. There's a lot in there. <laughs> so we're going to end this podcast, but we'll see you next time as we keep unpacking these issues, right? Well, I just wanted to add the last thought that if you're going to keep your head up out of this flood of confusion and illusion, you have to start with what is most absolutely the most basic, basic to our country, to the nation, and to any society that has the vaguest hope of allowing true human fulfillment. Mm -hmm. So next time we're going to talk about what is basic to true human fulfillment. And we hope to see you here. You can check out um, the previous podcast, how we got started. And we'll see you. Well, the uh, current context. The current context. I'm sorry. Okay. So we know that you have friends who are homeschooling in ministry, leading and working towards the redemption of others. And we would love it if you shared this podcast with them. We welcome your questions and comments. We'd love for you to tell us what you think. And if you are not on our email list at True North Homeschool Academy, you can find the link in the show notes. Uh, we will see you next week on Life Skills 101, Life Skills for a Digital Age. We're so honored that you're listening and that you share this podcast, Life Skills 101, with your friends and family. Every time you share the show and post about it, it really makes our day. Make sure you subscribe and download this podcast so that you never miss an episode. You can subscribe so that you get alerted to each and every show. Leave a review for this podcast, Life Skills 101, Life Skills for Digital Age. We're so honored that you're listening. Until next time, this is Lisa Nearing from True North Homeschool Academy. We'll talk to you soon.